And in that process, learn a ton of little things that we then took and translated in, in our brand. But I think what was really interesting is it was the most difficult process ever doing our own brand because when you're an outsider and someone comes to you with a brand, it's so easy for you to just like separate what you think they should do and what you think is wrong. But when it's your own brand, it's so your baby. And like all of the rules you've once told someone in the process you usually set goes totally out the window. It took us so long. We iterated a billion times. And I like, you overthink every little aspect. So we, we took a lot from that business and learn a lot, but it was also like so interesting. It was a shoemaker without shoes. Welcome to Let's Thrive the Podcast, a place for holistic storytelling with none of the BS and a whole lot of fun. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and my mission is to interview guests that inspire, educate, and empower you to live your best life. In these stories, you will see a part of your own journey reflected in theirs and learn to grow from it. And with that said, let's thrive. Welcome back to the Let's Thrive Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and... Happy Monday, if you're listening to this on the day it comes out. I've been running these mini Monday episodes all through April, and they will be continuing as 2020 has just been quite the year, you know? So I figured why not, with this extra time, just produce some extra content for you all to listen to if you're interested. And today is actually a fun one because who doesn't love cereal? And if you don't, I'm sorry. But let's be real, the nostalgia of cereal is just something we can all relate to. I mean, my childhood was defined by what cereal we had. You know, different days called for different things. From Reese Puffs, to picking out the dried strawberries of Special K, to picking out like the marshmallows of Lucky Charms. I mean, cereal was a big deal when I was a kid. And if it was for you then I know that you get what I'm talking about, you know? It's just, there's that feeling to it of how it, like the crunch of it and the flavor and of course the milk afterwards. Unfortunately, as someone with multiple uh, health difficulties and whatnot, I've foregone eating traditional cereal for a long time now. And something that I really want to drive home before this episode even starts is that If you're sensitive to, you know, food talk, uh, have like a lot of disordered eating tendencies, just be mindful of the fact that, you know, when we're talking about a quote-unquote healthier cereal, we're talking about it not from a place of like diet culture, but just from a place of, I guess, like the nutritional scientific background of what's technically better for your body. But I just wanted to put that out there because if you're super sensitive, then maybe don't listen to us talk about this healthier cereal. But if you're like me and you just want to hear about a cereal that not only tastes delicious but also has health benefits, then keep listening. It was just such a blast to sit down with Margaret, co-founder of Three Wishes Cereal, and discuss how the entire concept came to be, how, you know, the production process went, learning to sell, all the fun behind the scenes stuff of a brand. And I just think it gives a good viewpoint of, you know, the love and the commitment that they have put into this brand. So it's a fun, you know, shorter episode for this Monday. And it is something that I did want to bring, you know, into light, have a little conversation about. 
is that I know in this time of isolation, now if you're listening in the future, you know, this doesn't apply to you, but as of now, it's April 2020, and we're in a bit of a crisis mode right now, and if you're feeling overwhelmed with messages about health or diet or any of that not-so-fun stuff, then I just want you to know that you are not alone. We are all going through it, and actually, the episode previous to this and the episode coming out after this one both go in-depth talking about topics such as you know, limiting beliefs and self-beliefs, eating disorder recovery and body image and diet culture. And they're just both very dear friends of mine and they're both very, you know, insightful on these topics. So if you're feeling more of that type, maybe go check those out. But otherwise, you know, I just wanted this episode to be a fun one and I'm not trying to feed into that diet culture or you know, eat this because it's better for you mentality, but I did want to promote a brand that's doing good and really trying their best. So I hope you get what I'm trying to get across, you know, but um, I'm going to kind of keep this one short as I'm actually busy today considering, you know, the fact that I don't have an actual job right now, Uh, (laughs) but there's lots going on behind the scenes and lots of building, you know, we're building for a better tomorrow. So thank you guys, as always, for listening, and I really hope you like this episode. You can find more about Three Wishes and Margaret on their Instagram at Three Wishes. I'll have everything linked below. And if you love me, you can go on Apple Podcasts, not even if you love me, you know, if you love the guests, okay, let's be real. The guests are what make this show amazing. You can go on Apple Podcasts and leave a rate and review or even subscribe. Either way, it supports the show. It means so much to me. And, you know, if I could, I'd give you a big hug. So big virtual hug to you. And you can always connect with me on Instagram. Let me know what you like, what you don't like. We can just chat. I am always down to chat. So find me there at Emily Feichels and at Let's Thrive Podcast. So without further ado, let's begin. But I have to ask, first and foremost, since we are talking about three wishes and cereal today, like growing up in the past before you had this business, what was your go-to cereal? It's so funny. So I am an immigrant, came to this country. My parents had no like expectations or knowledge of nutrition and food. And like I grew up eating at McDonald's, which like I look at it now and I'm like, this is really horrible that I did that. But I, I was lucky I had access to all the bad cereals, like you name it, my parents let it go into the house. So I really loved honeycomb for some reason. It was, I don't know why, something about it just like made me so happy. Um, and pops, pops of honeycomb. Okay. Oh, and then my other favorite, sorry, Rice Krispie Treats. Okay. Okay. Yes, I get that. I know I've, I've always been a bit more of a like chocolate type of person. So I'd always go for the Reese Puffs, but um, I don't know. Cereal is just such a you know, there's so much nostalgia with it and everything. So I had to ask that burning question. But um, now that we've got the answer, would you mind giving a little introduction into who you are and what it is we'll be talking about today? Yeah, so I'm Margaret Wishingrad, um, founder and CEO of Three Wishes Cereal. And my background and my life story is quickly mentioned as an immigrant. Um, I worked in all types of fun fields, but most recently when I met my husband, um, we started 
He had his own advertising agency a few months before we started dating. I quickly decided to drop whatever I was doing in my life and join him in advertising. And we had a really fun ride for half a decade of building brands for small companies that came to us with an idea. And we like built that out for them and helped them execute the store and really uh, knock it out of the park to, to large companies like Nestle, Diageo, AT&T that came to us with other fun projects. So I've always been really lucky to work on building brands. And then I think you naturally always have an inkling that you like kind of want to do your own brand. If you're doing it for other people, like what's that thing for me? And then when we had our son uh, now almost three years ago, I became one of those moms. I'm a naturally healthy eater now. And I became one of those people that's super like paranoid about every little ingredient, how food's made. And as recommendations came in on what you should start feeding your kid, cereal was one of them. I haven't had it in so, so long. And that same nostalgia and childhood love for it. I'm like, hold on, let me just look at the category real quick. Like did something new come up? Is there something that I could eat that I could feed my kid that I'm okay with? And I took a look into the category and I'm like, oh my God, it's the same cereals that were there when I was a kid. And then you go into Whole Foods or any other like healthy stores and there are cereals that are still really not great for you. They still have a ton of sugar. They still have a ton of empty grains. And I thought it was a really great opportunity to create a product that served both the healthy part of the modern world, which I think everyone is now starting to really pay attention to ingredients and how they affect you. And then I think the other part of it is um, also just having the taste and that same like experience of when you were a kid, that same crunch, that same smell, that same like how it soaks in milk, how you drink the milk after. And so I was like, okay, we could take this. And so it took us two and a half years to actually create the product, um, which was fun and challenging and a whole experience in itself. Um, and then with the name Three Wishes, our last name is Wishing Grad. My maiden name was Belfer. And I'm like, if I'm hopping to the end of this alphabet, it better be like, I better be able to use this name for something. So fortunately, there are the three of us. And I was like, all right, the three Wishing Grads, the three wishes. Um, so that was kind of that that's one part of the story. And then we have three claims to the brand that were really important for the category, which is it's high protein, low sugar, and grain free, uh, which you don't really see in cereal. So that was kind of what we hoped to set out and change. Oh, I love that. That is so inspiring and just really shows a lot about, you know, you and your husband and just your work ethic, everything you're about, morals included. And, you know, I'm curious going back when you guys had that ad business and you were, you know, just killing it in the game, like, what did that experience teach you about, you know, yourself or your work ethic and, you know, just how you work with others? I'm, I'm just, I'm curious if that entire endeavor, you know, just really showed you something about yourself. Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting because I think when we go through like college and high school, I think a lot of us don't really know what we're really great at and what we want to do in life. And I was coincidentally so lucky to kind of get into advertising and marketing by way of like, being like it was my boyfriend I'm like listening to his phone calls and seeing what he's doing I'm like this is so interesting and getting into that and it's just so much fun you just get to create and like throw these crazy ideas up against the wall and see like does a client like them do they not like them and so it was the first time in my life I got to actually feel what it's like to not work and just do what you really enjoy doing all day like I was hanging out with my best friend in the room and just like talking about ideas and showing like different brand inspiration and just it was just so much fun and so I think where people are like oh you know like the grind and the hustle we didn't even realize it was 10 o'clock at night and we're still at the office like we had no idea we were just like in this creative like bubble of just enjoying spending time with each other and creating things 
And so it's just, it, I think it's like such a cliche with the, you know, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. But it's so bizarrely true. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. There's just a saying that always comes back to me where it's like, uh, let me make sure I don't say this wrong. It's uh, you don't want to like live to work. Wait, no, work to live, whatever way it goes. But it's like the idea of you definitely like you're putting so much time and energy and so much of your life into this work. Like if it can be something you really enjoy, something that lights you up, helps others, is just like your passion, then like, why not go for it? And you guys, you know, like you said, kind of stumbled into it, which is amazing. But then also you went from, you know, before to now where you're also your own, you know, bosses in a new sense. And, you know, I'm, I'm curious, you know, like what's, what skills from that past, you know, work and business really carried over into three wishes? Like, did you guys not have to hire, you know, like certain people, like what parts of it really helped you in the, you know, with three wishes in the building of that? So funny because it was like this building our brand. Um, so one, we were lucky to have all these learnings from these larger CPG companies that we've worked with or other products that we kind of, in a sense, we didn't learn on their dime, but we were lucky enough to work on their project. And in that process, learn a ton of little things that we then took and translated in, in our brand. But I think what was really interesting is it was the most difficult process ever doing our own brand because when you're an outsider and someone comes to you with a brand, it's so easy for you to just like separate what you think they should do and what you think is wrong. But when it's your own brand, it's so your baby and like all of the rules you've once told someone in the process you usually set goes totally out the window. It took us so long. We iterated a billion times and I like you overthink every little aspect. So we we took a lot from that business and learn a lot, but it was also like so interesting. It was a shoemaker without shoes. It was like super fun and, and weird, but it's so interesting because when on the advertising side, you're like, oh, the client that's paying me, that's, that's my client, that's my boss, right? In a way, even though it's our own business, you're an entrepreneur. And then when you go into the CPG side, when you're, it's consumers are boss now, right? It's the buyers, it's the people buying it, listening to their feedback and taking that and optimizing on that. So you never escape having someone to answer to in a way. And it's, it's just, it's so much fun. I love that. And, you know, you're talking about how at this point now it's where you really have to look at, you know, who you're selling to and the consumers and everything. And, you know, when you decided what ingredients would be making the cereal, you know, like what was that decision like keeping in mind the fact, you know, that you had probably a certain audience, a certain type of people that you wanted to draw in with it. What, what was your thought process through that? Yeah. The biggest test for me was like, is this something I could feed my child, my actual human child that I created in my own body? Um, so it's always been, this ingredient has to be super clean, super sustainable, has to be something I could look another mom in the eye or another human in the eye and be like, I made this, you could eat it you're going to feel good about it. And this is something like you could talk about and share with people. Um, it was less about just creating a product to have a product. It really had to have a purpose. So, you know, every ingredient we thought about how it affects your gut or how like, you know, the big thing for us is cereal. There aren't brain free cereals and, and creating that was very difficult. And it would have been really easy for me to be like, Oh, let's, you know, do a little less grain and have some, rice or wheat or something in it and it was just I think as we learn and research about all these things and learn about health in a grander way 
considering those things, it was so important for me to be like, okay, I'm going to stick to, I told myself I'm going to set out there and I want at least this much protein, at least this, like I want lower than this and sugar and I want no grains. And you like put yourself to it and you get there and you figure it out. It takes long sometimes. But, um, for me, it was just, I have to have like integrity behind the ingredients and it's just something that someone will enjoy and know how to pronounce and consume 20 years from now or tomorrow. And so that was part of the ingredient selection process, which took a while. I love it. I mean, all it does is it shows the resilience you have too. And like you said, you wanted these ingredients and you wanted this product to be exactly what you intended for it to be. And the fact, you know, even if it took longer, even if it took more work, more resources, whatever it be, like you now have something that you're prop, you know, I'm just projecting here, but I'd say you're probably, you know, immensely proud of because it is everything you set out with the intention of and the resilience you, you know, had in going through that process is just admirable because I can imagine a lot of people would kind of feel that stress, that pressure to, like you said, add a little bit of rice, add a little bit of filler, skimp on this ingredient. And that's why I think there's a lot of trust issues in this field. I know for me, you know, when it comes to health products, I feel like sometimes it's kind of like the idea of greenwashing. You know, I don't know. There's so many labels and so many claims. I just don't know what's what. So I really appreciate the fact that you guys really stay true to your intentions and your morals with this product too. Thank you. Yeah, it's huge for us. Um, and it's like, I, I set out to do it and was lucky enough to be able to do it. But it, it's funny. I remember when we finished our very first production run, I called Ian. It was five in the morning. I was leaving the production plant and I'm like on the phone crying. I'm like, we're done. We did it. We're finally done. He's like, girl, we didn't even start selling it. What are you talking about? I'm like, yeah, you're right. But just that product part of it was such a, like, it, it was so, it, it was like, I, in my heart, like it was, such, it was an extension of me, right? It was a, my baby in another like sense. So yeah, I'm super proud of it and um, appreciate that a lot. Well, and I'm, and I'm curious too, I had forgotten to mention this before, but how did you guys, you know, when you're in production and not only, you know, figure out ingredients, but how did you choose like flavors, you know? Uh, Cause I can imagine that would be, you know, you're trying to envision who would buy this, what they're looking for. So did that take a lot of thought or was it kind of something you just knew right away? That was almost the easiest part for us of like what it should taste like. I think we looked at cereal and it was like, okay, I don't need to come out here and come out with like spicy paprika, <laughs> not just sea salt, like avocado Himalayan cereal. It was like, hey, what does America love? Like cereal is so American. And for me, it was okay, what did I love as a kid? What do people buy now in grocery stores, right? And I want to help them make that switch that much easier. So a lot of people love a honey type cereal. Let's do a honey type cereal. A lot of people love a cinnamon type of cereal. Let's go with a cinnamon toast crunchy type of profile. Um, then we did an unsweetened stew, which we actually didn't think we were going to, like, it wasn't a plan, but that's our product without any flavor added to it at all. And we're like, there's someone out there that loves to remix things and make them their own. And I want to let them do that too. So that's kind of how Unsweetened happened. And then we have some other flavors launching in the next couple of months. And those are along the continuing long lines, of like, what are your favorite popular cereals? We're continuing to tackle all of those. So it was just like, I want to make that decision so much easier for any mom or adult or anybody with a mouth in America that goes to a grocery store that wants to buy that box of cereal, but has that hesitation, I want them to feel like they have the option to not sacrifice on taste and to be able to eat what they, what they want to eat, um, just with cleaner, better ingredients. Yeah. No, I mean, like, you know, as we've mentioned multiple times, your ingredients are phenomenal. I remember, uh, so 
couple months ago, I was in California with a friend and we are in Erewhon and she pointed out, cause you guys are in there, right? Yeah. And yeah. So she pointed at your cereal and she's like, Hey, have you ever tried them? And it's like, no, but I just assumed like all, like you said before, a lot of the healthy, I'm using air quotes, cereals still have some qualities that I just, it's like, why would I buy that when I could make cookies at home or something, you know? And we picked up your cereal. I was checking out the ingredients and I literally said to her, like, I've got to buy this next time I'm, you know, somewhere I could take home a whole box of cereal. Um, so yeah, it's just truly amazing what you guys have created and the flavors too. I mean, nostalgia definitely with those, but you know, I am curious when it comes to ingredients and really caring about what's in our food products, you know, say with just, you know, your advice, your insight, your experience in this field, when it comes to reading nutrition labels and, you know, claims on boxes and health products, like what are some things we should maybe be looking out for or be searching out, you know, things that you've learned in this entire process and things that you have implemented with three wishes yourself? Yeah, I think, um, well, I tried to steer clear with like fortifying or additives or preservatives. Those are just, there's no reason to add those to your body. Um, and I think most important thing for me is like, can you pronounce and read the ingredient? Is it, is it like a whole food that you know? Like our products, I mean, our uh, ingredients in our product are chickpea, pea protein, tapioca, organic cane sugar, monk fruit. And so we know what these things are. We know what chickpeas look like. We know what peas look like. It's like, it's not like, you know, high fructose corn syrup. Like who knows what high fructose corn syrup really even looks like, right? So for me, it was, can we take foods we know that serve another function and transform them into the food that we want to enjoy? And, and that was it. So it just, I think it's knowing what you're eating and paying attention to that ingredient panel. I think macros are obviously super important. You want to have a great ratio and balance of your sugars and proteins and fibers and all of those things. But I think more importantly, just what things are made of and just being comfortable with all of those single ingredients. And if there's something you don't like in a, in a product, that's okay. You don't have to eat it. There are plenty of other products. So yeah, I think, yeah. I think that's a big part of the ingredients. No, very, very true. And I think, you know, people are definitely waking up to that, starting to understand it, get more of a feel for that. And, uh, you know, going back a bit when it does come to consumers and as you said before, <laughs> your husband reminded you, we still have the selling to do, you know, and I can imagine that's a very tricky part to get into. So what, you know, what were some challenges you guys had or, you know, if you had any, I guess, any setbacks when it came to, you know, you made the product, everything's as you want it to be. Now let's put it out into the world. You know, now let's get it out to the people. Let's sell. Let's see what we can do with it. Like, were there any hurdles you had to overcome with that aspect of it? So we were very lucky that um, there was a need for our product in the market. Any buyer we would go to with our product would be super excited to have real innovation in that aisle because it's kind of been all that same type of cereal that we've seen for a long time. And that aisle is is in decline. It needed some some innovation. So everyone's super excited to bring in something fresh and new. Um, our, we work really hard on our packaging, obviously. And so for us, creating something that looked innovative and fresh and fun um, made it also attractive for buyers to want to bring in something that looked kind of cool on their shelves. And so we had a pretty, I, I mean, easy is not the word I want to use, but it wasn't as difficult as 
um, uh, some other brands have expressed they've had difficulty with in bringing that to shelves. I think the part that's always a nightmare is logistics and making sure that the truck it was supposed to get on got on, it got onto and it got there when it was supposed to get to. Um, and I think the other part is retail is also such an expensive proposition. And it's so interesting when I went in as like a shopper and you're, you're like, oh, this is so sale great I'm gonna buy it like the store's probably taking care of it but then realizing that all those things trickle down to the brand and like working those things in the actual business side of it was definitely something new and, and um, it was interesting to learn about but uh, it's, it's just it's getting a business out there and sharing it with people and I think there's never enough noise that we can make there's never enough mouths that we're putting it in I think we're just like we naturally people beat themselves up on that and want to always just get their brand out there more and more. And so we were lucky enough that buyers took the chance on us and wanted to bring us into some of their stores. Um, and so now it's the story of like continuing to get out there and feeding people our product. Yeah. And if you don't mind, I am, I've always been curious about this. How does that work? Like when you have the product and you decide you want to, you know, get into these stores, is that something, you know, you set up meetings, you're emailing, how does that process work where you start to get into the retail like that? Yeah, so uh, people go a couple of different ways. So for us, Ian is really, really great on the sales side. And I think the most important thing here is like, oh, how do you convince a buyer? You tell them exactly why you made it and why you eat it and why you want to feed the rest of the world your product. And that same passion and love in combination with a good product um, gets you the trust of a buyer and then gets them to want to stand behind your dream and your mission and all of those things. And then the getting to the buyer part is the same way you network in any other aspect of the world. It's like you either find that person and you cold reach out to them until they give you the time of day, um, or you find and you borrow that relationship. So you find a broker that knows that person and you, you know, you bring them into the deal and, and you work on that together. So, it's, it's really just the appetite of the entrepreneur and, and, and if they could find a way to get to that buyer or if they have to find someone that knows that buyer. And so you just keep clawing at it in, in the same way that we found clients on the advertising side is the same way we find the buyers on the, the grocery side. And so I don't know if you would have, you know, dealt with this, so to speak, because you are with your husband, but have you, you know, personally seen any discrepancies when it comes to female entrepreneurs in this field? Oh yeah. So when I was developing the product like way before. So I'm really heavily in, involved on the upside and the creating the product side and all of those fun backend things um, as, as well as being like face the brand too. But Ian is definitely so on the sales side, but when I was creating the product, I remember I called a like a co-packer to talk about flavor or something. And they were like, Hey man, like in this little girl attitude, they're like, yeah, I don't, I don't think you have, it wasn't like the money, but it was just like, it was some weird, like, yeah, we don't work with little nothings. It was like a really degrading, weird, like I, I, I knew that if Ian called them that he, he would have never got that reaction, but it was like this old dude that was just like giving me this, this like, okay, I don't have time for you go away thing. And it was just like really upsetting. Like it threw my entire day off. And I was like, this is like, this is the first time I'm feeling it where he doesn't know what I look like. He doesn't know what my brand is. He has no idea what my mission is. Doesn't know my, my product or the innovation behind it. Or he doesn't even know like, what if I'm a billionaire flavor all this cereal in the world? It was so interesting that he didn't want to like continue the conversation, just cut it off because he could hear that I'm a young female on the phone. And so that was the first time I experienced it. And Ian's like, oh, do you want me to call him back and talk to him? 
And I'm like, no, I don't want to use them. I'm going to find someone else. And that's exactly what I did. And so it's like, if you're going to treat people like that. You're not going to get the business and it's fine. Exactly. There's always like, if you can rise above those moments, sometimes there's, you know, I'm just a firm believer. Something else will come your way because I don't know. I mean, like if someone's putting that sort of energy out there, they're treating people like that. It's, you know, sometimes you have to ask yourself, like, do I really want to even be involved with that person or have them be a part of this entire journey we're going through? So that's, you know, amazing. And um, yeah, I just, you know, a lot of the people I interview, well, I mean, they're all women. And then also when it comes to business and entrepreneurs, I'm just always so fascinated by like the changes that there are sometimes, you know, when it does come to female founded businesses and doing the things they love. So I just, I can imagine, you know, it would be very frustrating in that sense, but you know, and it's not like your husband is a part of the issue, but it's, it is like hard to know, like you said, if that had been your husband on the line, like that might not have ever happened. It's just crazy, crazy to see it be that way. And then, but my, the other, I guess the, the other part of it is like, anytime I get to work with a vendor or an ingredient supplier and it's a woman on the other side, like that is my girl. We get so close. Like I'm so excited to support them and help them in their business. And they're so excited to help me in my business. And like that type of camaraderie is like what the world needs. And it is actually so, so refreshing to see and feel. Oh, definitely. Like community is everything. If you can make one good connection, I mean, it's, it's we, we have a guest on the podcast. My kid just ran into the room. Hi. Want to say hi? What is it? Can you say hi? Say hi, Emily. Say hi. 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 Which cereal is your favorite? Which one do you love the most? Uh, pink. The pink one? Cinnamon. <laughs> and the other challenges of being an entrepreneur and a mom. Do you guys have a home office or have you been doing this all from home with him? So it's, so it's actually funny. Wow. His, his street <laughs> travels. That is beautiful. Um, so yeah, we, we had an office in the city for our agency. Um, and then last August, our lease was up from our office and our apartment. And I'm like, you know what, let's just move this whole operation and do it in a, in a house in the burbs. I'm like, I need space to store cereal anyway. Um, so we moved last August. And so we kind of recreated our old office in the city in the house. And so it's been really nice to have that. And most days he's at school and, or we have a nanny here to help us and take care of him, but it's a balancing act. There are times when it's like on a conference call and I'm like, Alice, shh, don't talk. Just give me five more minutes. They can't know you're here. So it's fun. It's exciting. I just, I have to, you know, commend you because I cannot imagine, I mean, starting a business itself gives me like full body anxiety of, wow, that's a lot. Uh, doing it and being a mother is just like next level. So applaud for you because I just, I can't imagine ever doing it. I, I can't you know, it almost prepares you in a really funny way. Like being a mom teaches you so many things about yourself and like how to multitask in ways that you didn't even know your body could handle. And, and also like just how to separate minutiae from things that actually matter in the world. And so like, I think that helped give me a lot of perspective in business and just like dealing and handling people. I think like my patience for what I could tolerate before 
to what I could tolerate now, which is like night and day. Like you just learn to take so much more. You're like, that's not a big deal. It's fine. So uh, yeah, it, it's been interesting, but uh, yeah, you get fun moments like that when he just runs and he's like, mom, who's that? And I'm like, oh, go away. I love you. A very important person. Yeah. <laughs> no, I loved his little cameo on the show. So, yeah, yeah. and we all know now let's try the cinnamon because it's Ellis's favorite. Good good. Yeah. I love it. And, you know, I did mean to ask before when we were talking about the home office and everything, when it came to building a, you know, a team or just, you know, outreaching, hiring people to help out, did you guys start that from the get go? Was there a certain checkpoint you wanted to hit before you were able to do that? Yeah. So some of our team is from the agency side. We have a ton of people that work remotely, um, but our core team, we have works literally inside of my house. Like they commute to my house every day, but honestly, I think it makes for the best team environment because like it's no pressure. It's really calm, but it's also like this sense of family, which is so huge in culture. And I think learning um, from just on the agency side, I think we learn so much about how important it is to build culture and make sure everyone is so invested in your goal and vision and just like wants to be there to help so if someone's willing to literally come to my house and have my kid run up to them like twice a day and sit on their lap they are super into this brand and they will do whatever it takes to help you grow that and i think it's been really interesting to watch that actually um so yeah it's teams here in the house i was just going to say it would be a very neat dynamic where you know, if you have that family aspect where you feel like you're actually, you know, you, you're really invested in the brand, but also in the people behind it. I know I personally would be, you know, like there's just that bit more of a drive to like, let's really perfect this, you know, like it's not kind of like a, you know, like, okay, I'm done with this. It's more like, no, let's, let's do this. Let's totally get down to it. So yeah, no one's ever treated it like a nine to five, which is so refreshing. It's like, and for me, I don't care what time you come in or like what time you leave. It's like, are you getting it done? Are you here for like, just getting this out there and growing this with us? And it's like, it's so beautiful to see that you'll see people sitting here till like seven, eight o'clock at night, nine o'clock at night, not saying a word. They're just like so happy to be working on something they love. So it's really, really, really nice. I love that. You guys are all up to you all because of you guys, you're providing people that in their life. So that is a whole other level of, you know, just so amazing to see a company like that. Uh, so what, you know, if you're allowed to share any, like, what are some big plans, aspirations, hopes, you know, that you guys have going into the next year, two years, I don't know, um, that you just would really like to see happen, you know, with three wishes. Yeah. Um, I think for me, it's just like continuing to roll out into these accounts that we were lucky enough to secure um, and growing the love for the brand within those accounts and making sure people are going to the store, buying what they love. Um, and I think for me, another part is really become someone that trusts the brand. So whether I make a completely different product down the line that has the same brand promises, it's something you feel comfortable with and like want to buy into. And so building that community and that trust is a super important thing for us and something we focus on really heavily. Um, and then just, yeah, just continuing to, to get it into people's mouths and spreading it the word throughout America. Like that's, that's all I could hope for. Um, and then on the other side, on the internal side, we're always working on different product innovation and different flavors and bringing you those nostalgic things you want to eat that aren't necessarily great for you and probably a little bit naughty and creating that healthy version, which is often difficult, but, that's kind of what we work on behind the scenes, behind the scenes in the kitchen on. Yeah. 
Oh, well, I absolutely love it. And now I'm craving a big bowl of cereal. Uh, I hope everyone listening is to go out, get some three wishes for yourself. But where can people, you know, find find you guys, the brand? Uh, where can they buy three wishes as well? Yeah. So we are in Whole Foods in California. We're going to be in Whole Foods on the East Coast shortly. We are in Wegmans um, all up and down the East Coast. We are going to be in All Sprouts, hopefully in a couple of coming weeks. Uh, we are Erewhon. We are at about 150 other health stores in the New York area and continuing to expand. We'll, we'll know sooner about where we're going to be in a couple of weeks, but um, yeah, continuing to grow every day. I love it. I love it oh, so much. And quickly on yes. Amazon, of course, and okay. ruchcereal.com. And oh, okay. Uh, com. Okay. And I'll have everything linked below too. So if people want to just click on that real quick, they can go to it. Um, but otherwise, yeah, thank you so much. This was so much fun. And I'm just excited for to see Three Wishes grow and have a cereal revolution. So I love it. Thank you so much for the time. It's been really fun.